Have you heard that bang in the garage in the middle of the night? Could it have been a spring or a garage door has broken? Call the experts at Precision Door Service. Two numbers to contact them. Area code 708-474-6657 or 219-306-8155. They can always be reached online at precisiongarage-door.com. Those numbers again, in case of emergency, with your garage door, Precision Door Service at 708-474-6657 or 219-306-8155. You can always get them online at precisiongarage-door.com. everyone thanks for checking out another 316 podcast i'm clayton from 316 creative works today we are talking with bob uh we're gonna get over to him in a minute but before we do that let's thank our most important people in the entire world we always want to start by thanking larry and sandy uh we thank our technical producer who is justin creative producer esther thank our house manager who is danielle and of course our new partners uh the boys over at payrock uh, my new partnering company in business, and also uh, D-Lo Studio Designs. But without any further uh, ado, uh, maybe no need for introductions, but my friend and my senior pastor, Pastor Bob Bauer. Hey, Bobby. Hello, Clayton. So so here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. Well, for, first of all, let's let's get in front of this. Happy birthday, man. <laughs> you little sucker. <laughs> you know, every, it's amazing. Every year this happens. Yeah. And every year... Uh, I come at you, yeah. but this is a special year. Yeah, because this is a big birthday for you. How How old are you, Bob? I am sixty. Sixty years, years old. old yeah. Which, and the most incredible thing about Bob being sixty is he literally does not look a day over fifty nine. You are so. It's getting me right here. <laughs> you look. Like you look incredible. Moist but, cheeks. But, I know. but seriously, yeah. you've you know for sixty years old, and not just for sixty. I think you know I'm forty eight. I think for forty eight years old, you. Look incredibly well. You look healthy, young, uh, spry. Is spry a word for spry, you, old people? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, what's what's the see? What do you put in your water <laughs> that keeps you young and, and virile? Once in a while, people will say that to me, and I would say, first of all, I always answer, it's God's doing, uh-huh. His DNA uh-huh. from my mom and dad, because my mom and dad looked young too, and that stuff. And I didn't grow gray. I don't color my hair or anything like that. No, you don't color your hair. You you bleach your face. No, I don't bleach my face either. <laughs> I do nothing. This is a Johnny Carson Yeah, joke. it's a joke. It's, um, no, and I, I but I, I do eat right, sleep right, exercise. Uh-huh. And I think that does play into being healthy because a lot of ministers burn out. They're fat and lazy. Well, and they burn out and they get stressed out and they, do, they create bad habits. And I did not want to have that. You didn't want to be one of those guys. I thank the Lord. Yeah, uh, we always want to be honest with with our three sixteen family. We, I mean, the, I never want to trick anybody. Uh, we we have some people I'm talking with who who I I'm not real close with. Uh, some people I'm talking with who uh, I've actually literally just just met them. This right. is this is my first time 
talking to you. I've heard about you. I've heard you got a pretty interesting story. Let's let's find it. That's not true in this case. No. Um, Reverend Pastor Robert Bauer has been my senior pastor for over 26 years. Yeah. And we've done an awful lot of work together. Yes. Done an awful lot of uh, worship together, yep. a lot of praying, a lot, yep. lot of tears. Uh, more than all that, uh, an awful lot of laughter. A lot of laughter. We've been um, not not just in the in the work and ministry world. We've been good friends yep. for I cherish that 20, 26 years. So so thanks for that. You've been my mentor for many many years. Uh, you know, I remember first meeting you. I was a, I was a different person, and and you may have been a different person too because it was twenty six years ago. But but I am an example of radical life change, uh, and much of that was because, uh, certainly my wife, um, but m- much of that was because God introduced me to you yeah. in my, my early 20s. I thank God for that interaction, yeah, that intersection of life. And it has been a delight to watch you go from a baby, young Christian yeah. to an elder in God's church, a, my friend, my colleague in ministry. Yeah. I mean, there's times where I'll call you and say, dude, will you go with me this yeah. tough case? And I'm thankful for that so much. Yeah. Uh, tell me about life today. So, so today, correct, correct me if I got any of these facts wrong. Today, uh, you were married. <laughs> yeah. 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 You have four kids. I have four children, all married. You have so four, so four in-law kids. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, you're a proud papa of nine, nine, almost ten. Ten will be in April. Ten grandkids. Ten grandkids. Yep. Uh, you are still. Employed as a full-time pastor <laughs> yeah. um, at Faith Church Corporate. Yep. Uh, yep. Senior pastor mm-hmm. of the Dyer campus mainly, but you are the senior pastor of Faith Church yeah, Ministries. The, yep. That's mm-hmm. that's what life looks like today. It does. But life didn't always look like that. No, it so didn't. take me back to my childhood. Take me back oh, to you went going back. what what what's some what's some of the first first memories you have? Yeah, of life. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my dad was a pastor. Okay, so you were raised in a pastor's yep home. So this lifestyle, this vocation as a pastor, is not anything new or unusual to you. This is no, I knew it. You're raising it. It was it was more hard on my wife when he got married. But when my youngest days, I remember living. You know, cognitive starts like four or five years. Yeah, I was in uh, Cicero, Illinois, right outside of Chicago, city of Chicago. Yeah, it's a it's a tough town, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a blue blue collar oh, work, yeah. working class town. And so you grew up there. You were just well. Born that there. was that was uh, you know age four to twelve, and then moved up to Wisconsin. So you had your early formative years actually in Cicero, Illinois. Yep. Uh, until you were twelve, I I remember being you. Yeah, I remember I, I remember three, four, and certainly all the way through twelve. Uh, what was life like back then? Yeah, well, it was um, it was more traditional uh, stereotype of minister's kid in the church next door to the, the house was next door to the building. There was a parking. I mean, there's a driveway that separated the church and our house. So you were raised in a parsonage. Yeah, is what they called it right. Yeah, and I walked. I mean, I, part of my days during the summer when I was a little kid was running through the church, you know, and then stepping out in the parking lot and playing in the parking lot. And it was, it was a fun childhood. I had, I had um, two biological sisters older than me, one younger, and then my mom and dad adopt, adopted our, oh, our younger sister. Yeah. So you have two older sisters. Yep. And so at this time in Cicero, you had two older sisters. So yep. they must have been in their teens. Yeah, they when were. You were twelve. Yeah, yeah. When I left, they were entering into high, eighth, eighth grade in high school, and. Uh, 
But yeah, we had a lot of fun. I have great memories. My mom and dad were big into camping. We were that kind of stuff. And um, I, I always loved the Lord, to be frank. I don't ever have a story where I didn't love the Lord. No, no, hang on a second. We're going to we're gonna stop here a second. Yeah. I have heard from people that if there's not a life conversion story, a moment of accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that you're not actually saved. Let me stop a second. But the Bible doesn't say that. No, it doesn't. The the Bible says, I think it's Paul, right, who said in the Bible, he said, unless you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then you will be saved. So do you have a moment that 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 time that time and timeline that you said I I was bad but now I'm good Jesus you make you have made all the difference and now I'm handing my life over to you I've had that salvation story I don't have that I have um, like I said I never not loved Jesus in my entire memory um, I had doubts once in a while and that kind of stuff right. but um, I would say to you that this is an interesting way to answer a question when were you saved I'd say when Jesus rose again right. I became aware of it when I was a little yeah. boy. I would say there are many times in my life from cognitive years, four, five, six years old, where I gave my heart to Jesus. I remember talking to Jesus, saying, Jesus, forgive my sins yeah. and come into my heart. And then again in high school, I, I think there's moments of the Holy Spirit's breath into me that's stronger. But I didn't have a, you're going to hell um, you met Jesus at a Billy Graham crusade or a youth group event and then turned my life around. It was more of the Holy Spirit prompting me for further growth. A deeper relationship. Yeah. yeah. And I think Timothy you know, was that way. His, his grandmother, his mother, and him. Right. It, it's, it doesn't say he came on a Damascus road like Paul. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah I, no, I get it. I've, I've struggled with that. And, and I, I'm assuming, uh, I'm hoping you're right, because there's a lot of people that I love who have a very similar testimony. Yeah. Their testimony is there was no major conversion experience. There was no moment in time where they were born again. And I think Paul and Timothy are the great examples. Paul was radical. Timothy was not. And I think in this world, there are Christians that are not, and there are Christians that have radical conversions. Right. Uh, Cicero, do you remember remember much of childhood? Yeah. I mean, I remember a lot of times riding my bike with my friends. That's how I remember. (laughs) I remember playing a lot of baseball against the church church. Solid wall. I remember breaking a stained glass window with baseball. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's, um, always, it's always the preacher kid, right? It w- well, I wasn't that rebellious kid. That's another weird thing. Uh-huh. A lot of stereotypes of pastors' kids. My sisters and I were never really the radical, rebellious ones. Mm-hmm. None of us really went that way. Um, tell me about your your mom as as a child. Was she just a dutiful stay at home mom? Yeah, she was the uh, silent but strong mom. Because my dad was very busy in ministry, yeah. and but my mom was that stable force. Um, you know, ethnically, I have the Dutch background. There was a lot of stereotype, and she fit that ter- stereotype she pretty well. She, she was the Dutch mom. She was. Worked her fingers to the bone. Yep. And she made three one, meals a day. One heck of a, a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. She was oh, a good yeah. baker. Yep. Yeah. She was very good. Um, Just recently died, too. Yes. And yeah. so we, we will get into that. Yeah. Sorry for the loss of your, yeah, your you. recently your mother yep. and certainly your dad. Thank you. You know, four or five years yep. ago. Yep. Right? Um, two older biological sisters. What, what's, what are they like? 
Well, my oldest sister, Jan, is a farmer's wife in Wisconsin, and uh, she is salt of the earth, hardworking. Um, Yeah, just a genuine Christian woman and love her dearly. My sister, Mary, second, she's... uh, her hus- she and her husband, they live in Oostburg, Wisconsin, and he. she was a nurse, and she just recently retired. Oh, and nice. She, uh, she's, she's just a sweetheart as well. And I have a younger sister, Nancy, who's biologically my next sister down, and mm-hmm. she was probably who I was closest with because we were closest in age. Yeah, she loves sports. And and then uh, my youngest sister, my parents adopted. Uh, tell me about her. What's her name? Cindy. Cindy. I'm her uh, guardian now. Oh, you're her guardian because my yep. – uh, how, how did your parents come to adopt her? I, yeah, it's a crazy story. My mom and dad were foster parents, and they took in this little three-and-a-half-year-old girl named Cindy, and then the parents' rights were terminated because they abused her, and she had brain uh, – she had a traumatic brain injury. So that's – she's now in a – like a, a Christian halfway house, if yeah. you will, as an adult. She's 50, but she's probably got about a fifth, sixth-grade mentality. Uh, we we call that today special needs. Yeah, she's right? special needs. So you were raised. Do you remember her? Is it, well, I, mean, I was. I think I was more like fourteen when she came into our house, and so I, I, you know, fourteen year old, you're into sports, and yeah. for me, girls and well, friends. I was gonna say, she, if she's fifty, you're sixty five. That's fifteen years, yeah. right? So I'm sixty. She's fifty. Don't make it fifteen <laughs> years. It's ten years. You dork. <laughs> Do the math. So. Uh, she was a baby when when she started three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. So okay. she didn't talk, and that was strange. She's three and a half because yeah. she should be talking by then. That's how developmentally she was behind. Yeah. Um, she did cause my parents a lot of angst as yeah. she grew up because I got out of the house. You know, four four years later, I'm off to college, and the rest of my life is different. So by eight, nine, ten years old, your mom and dad are alone. With Cindy, yeah. the, this new daughter, yeah, and she was challenging. Yeah, and they didn't know the full extent of her special needs, but as time grew on, it was it was a combination of physical and psychological mm-hmm. struggles. She's doing phenomenal now. Right. She's right. flourishing. She's in a healthy environment. Oh, she's that, flourishing. That made all the difference. And she's doing great. Yeah. Your dad moved to Oostburg. Yep. He started church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, till I was four. Then four to twelve in Cicero. 12 till for 16 years he served from uh in Oostburg, Wisconsin at First Reformed Church. And so you you really consider yourself a Wisconsin kid. I do. I I because my sisters are still there, my older sisters, I, I call myself a cheesehead and but I'm not a Packer fan. Yeah, but, but you weren't there for very long. I well, mean, you were there 12, from 12 to 12 to 22, 12 to 18. Yeah, college. And then college. And yeah. you came home during the summers. One uh, three of the summers. So I yeah, I mean, it was it seems like home, but I, my sisters now will say, "Oh, remember so and so?" I'm like, "No, I don't remember. Yeah. It's been so long." Is it common to be the child of a of a preacher and move so much? Back in the day, there was like an average of five to seven years and you'd move on. I am thankful that that isn't my story. In fact, I thank God that that my kids have one Really, one church. I mean, I served a church out in New Jersey. Yeah, but. I was going to say it seemed it seemed like when I was a kid, the the common uh, theory, anyway, is that that pastors would move every five to ten years, usually right around seven years. Yeah. Yep. And and was that because they didn't want the pastor to have ownership? It was complex. That is part of it. Sometimes that they didn't want. See, the pastor then wouldn't be the the top dog. It was the church is the top dog, which is theologically a good thing to say. Yep. But it didn't give you the breadth of leadership development that you hope you would hope. It was unusual to have a pastor like me now being over here 31 and a half years, 31 plus years. Um, but it, might, it had frustrations because you served the consistory, the board 
but you couldn't necessarily lead yeah. back in the day. And it was, I think there's a possibility, Clayton, that some of the kids of ministers back in that move every three to five to seven years, that could be why they got rebellious because how do you find your identity if you're constantly moving? Like military kids, they'll yeah. say that how hard it was to be constantly moving. Well, we call them military brats, right? Yeah. That's what we yeah. call them. And yeah, PKs, preacher's kids, or theological offspring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was funny. <laughs> I got okay. it. It's going to take me a while to, to uh, process that one. You're quick. Uh, you said offspring. Offspring. Um, what, was high, what was high school like in Oostburg? Yeah. Was it a small Christian school? Yeah, so there's a public school that my sisters went to, mm-hmm. and my parents said to me, hey, um, do you want to go to public school or do you want to go to Christian school? And I said, well, my basketball team at the Christian's grade school, all five of us, we were, we were pretty good. We'd like to stay together. So I went to the Christian high school in Sheboygan, and uh, Sheboygan Christian High School. And, and I was it was thankful. It was the Lord. It's the first one in that Reformed church to ever go to a Christian high school. Reformed kids don't go to Christian school. Not back then. Now it's different. Now, it's, wait. The, the CRC kids went to Christian school. Yeah. For those who don't know what that means, that's code language yeah, for RCA, CRC, yeah. twin sisters. They don't know it. Uh, <laughs> that's a joke too. Yeah, that's uh, that's a theological joke. Yes. Um, so you played basketball as a kid. I played a lot of sports. Um, you did. Yeah, you, you were I, a jack. Uh, yeah, I was, and I and I was. Yeah, have you confessed your sin? <laughs> no, I love sports. I uh, I played soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the spring, and probably basketball is my favorite. Um, and that's what actually got me. Well, Hope College wanted me to play basketball there, but they didn't offer money. Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa offered money, and I went there and ended up playing soccer in the fall to get ready for basketball and ended up staying there and not playing basketball and playing soccer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just a sports guy. Um, tell me about school. Which one? Uh, high school. Yeah. Small school, I think it was about 180 kids only in the school. Our class was the biggest ever. Um, I was a, I was um, a good kid. I mean, I, I, the Lord gets the glory, but I was a good kid. I loved everybody. I loved all the different groups of people. I, I mean, I certainly probably hung around with more of the jocks and the quote popular kids. But in a school, 180, everybody was popular. Everybody was everybody, and it was fun. And I had great memories, great friends to this day. Um. How was the school work? Yeah, so I um, – this may shock some people. It doesn't shock you. Um, I always struggled academically, and it wasn't until I was in grad school they discovered a, a dyslexia um, that's in my – that I struggled academically in the reading end of it. Well, it turns out with this form of dyslexia, the two hemispheres of my brain explained everything. And by graduate school, I went from being a C-plus student to an A student once I figured out how to learn differently. And that was really breakthrough. So high school, I was – people would have thought I was a straight-A student in high school just because the teachers liked me and I never really told the kids what my grades were. But I was like a C-plus student and it was a struggle. So you worked hard to get a no. C-plus. You were, you were frustrated. Yeah, I was frustrated but I didn't work very hard because I loved sports and right. fun more than I liked were you, um Were you a ladies' man? I, I was always afraid of women. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I was I was kind of a scaredy cat. My friends always mocked me, like yeah. you know, you should take so and so and so. You go date so and so, and I was always intimidated by women. Yeah. Even though I had all these sisters, it was yeah. kind of weird. Well, maybe that's why, because you were you were afraid of women, right? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Uh, so no homecoming dances. Our school didn't at the time. Yeah. Um, we didn't have dances at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
So being dyslexic, yep. you would read something and the letters are actually moved around on you? Well, it'd be like um, my brain is – the hemispheres are going so fast. And this is not uncommon with dyslexia, but it would be like if you know if Dick went up the hill, I could maybe see the word Jim went up the hill. And my brain would convince me that it was Jim, not Dick went up the hill mm-hmm. or Jane went down the hill. Yeah. I mean it, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? I, uh-huh. My brain would see a word that didn't exist. So it was really struggled to read out loud and that was so painful like in English yeah. class. I have terrible memories of that. So – did it have any lasting feelings about yourself? Yes, I, it wrecked me. I I felt like a little bit of a phony because the world thought I was super smart yeah. and that I was gregarious and the fun-loving, everybody loved Bob, but I had this secret. And the secret is I struggled. It, and we're, we're going to get in, in further deeper into this story later, but what gave you the the the, the guts – to then go be a pastor because it's a lot of public speaking. Yeah. It's a lot of reading reading out loud publicly and a lot of really hard, yeah. <laughs> hard words, man. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I, there was a side of me that was in holy terror of the sense of calling I had since I was a little boy to be a pastor because the biggest fear was reading the Bible before I preached and writing anything. It just – it was a holy terror and I didn't – I couldn't piece that together until later on in life. Like what is going on here? Yeah, you could actually tactically work around some of that. Right. Uh, graduated normal and high school was, was yep. normal was good. And yeah, we were actually really good at basketball. I went to state. First time we ever went to state. Uh, yeah, I mean I was just on a high with sports. And so you you and your buddies went to Northwestern or they went to Hope and you went to Northwestern or did the, you we both all the band split up? up. We yeah. all split up. And one of them went with me to Northwestern and, and uh, a small little co- – I, I chose – I was glad that God led me there. Yeah. Northwestern was, was good. It was college. Were you surprised to get into college knowing secretly no. or – Well, back then problems? yet again in the – is 1980 when I graduated from high school. So – School colleges were taking students, and I wasn't like I wasn't terrible, so I wasn't on probation when I went to college. I just knew it was going to be a battle, mm-hmm. and it 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 was and it wasn't. Was like Clayton, one of the weird things after they discovered the learning disability in me, they had me take this IQ test, and my IQ is in the top ten percent of the nation. Mm-hmm. But what was coming out on paper was the opposite. Right. So, but at the time, it was a horror, mm-hmm. and it was it's college scared me. But you went anyway. I went anyway. And your your older sisters went. My old my oldest sister went to junior college. My second sister is a new nursing student at the time when I went to college. So, moving out of the house was not a new thing. Your sisters moved out. Went went on to do yeah. something else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, was it weird to 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 go away? Yeah, it was. was I mean, I I sad or yeah, I have struggle? a vivid memory that I shared over the years of my life. That I remember my parents dropped me off at college. And the couple days of all everything's a honeymoon. And then I remember their car heading out east down Highway 10 going towards Wisconsin from Iowa. And I'm going to myself, oh, my goodness. I have to be an adult. Yeah. And that was a horrific mo- fear. Yeah. Like, oh, my goodness, I have to grow up. You're on your own. Yep. No um, and you're, you're, you're scared. Did you, did you know anybody? I knew 
a junior. That he played basketball, and I kind of looked up to him from my hometown. I wasn't real close to him. I did not know anyone. So Other, you, you went to college on your own, first time out of the house, in the middle of a cornfield in Iowa. Yep. Northwestern. Yep. And that was okay. I was okay because I remember I was Cicero, big city. Yeah. And then went That's to Wisconsin. Yeah. Oostburg is yeah. really sh- maybe 1,200 at the time. And so this Orange City, Iowa is actually 5,000. So I was like, okay. this is So it wasn't so bad. A mm-hmm. uh, lot of good experiences in college, I'm sure. This is when you started partying <laughs> and experimenting with crack <laughs> and, and becoming the ladies' man. Uh, but we're going to listen to all that. There you go. Next time. <laughs> As you guys check us out on uh, episode two of Talking with Bob. Hey, guys, this is uh, Clayton from 316 Creative Works. This is another 316 podcast. 